This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I am here with Mr. Greg Crumpton himself. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing really good now, Gabby. I, I uh, as you know, I got frustrated while ago because we had technical issues, and I'm traveling, so I don't have my normal setup. So, uh, um, took a deep breath, got a little pause going on. So it's all good now, and excited to uh, get going. We've had a, a couple of uh, times with our guests uh, that we've had to reschedule due to stuff happening. So I'm really excited to finally be able to to get to talk to this gentleman because uh, he does a lot of good stuff in, in our world of skilled trades and people and recruiting and just building that whole envelope. So super excited for the day. Absolutely. Well, we are here with Keith Williams, the founder and CEO of Skill Stadium. Keith, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Gabby. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation and ready to kick it off. Definitely. Looking forward to it. Well, let's get it going. And uh, as I've been doing lately, I've been stealing an opening, Keith, from my, my friend Mitch Joel. And Mitch says when he starts his podcast, I think it's the most brilliant thing. Uh, I wish I would have thought of it. Um, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So um, at the heart of who I am, um, I am a father and husband. That's the person that kind of jumps in my head. And um, from a work perspective, I am a business development sales guy who owns a business. Uh, what I do is I help match, get employers and job seekers together. Well, there you go. And, you know, we can tell you're a pro, Keith, because you have a green screen. And <laughs> Gabby and I don't. So we're we're obviously the rookies here in the room. So we better tighten it up. I, that, that's really cool that, um, you know, I, I guess I'll just jump into the Dr. Phil portion of the show that, most men identify with what they do versus what they are. Yes. And yes. I love the fact that you jumped into what you are, which is a, a husband and a father first. Kind of it kind of shows where your uh where your 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 brain is and where your heart is. So commend commend you for that. Um, you know, that requires to use an overused word, it requires balance. You really have to make sure you got your priorities straight. And uh, that you got your gratitude meter in full check and all those good things. So congrats on that. You're you're probably way ahead of me on that category because I tend to get way over here. So I have to kind of let my spousal unit kind of bring me back over here, which she does quite well, I'll add. Um, Team member, that's always important to have that, that better half. <laughs> well, after, uh, so we got 37 years coming up next month. So she has... Uh, Almost, I think she would tell you, you got me trained. So we'll see, we'll see <laughs> the next 38 years. But um, so, Keith, how in the world did you wind up um, in this this crazy world that you and I met? Uh, and and uh, when I say met, we're, we met the new way, which is over electronics. We've never yes. been able to shake hands and have a cup of coffee yet. But I know where you are now. You told me there where you, you live this morning, so I'm coming to see you. Well, you're always uh, welcome. 
So, Gabby, I, I was telling Keith, I don't know if you were on yet, but uh, Service Logic, we're having a big training day or, or week at uh, Max Air, which is okay. our company in Marietta near where Keith lives. So oh. uh, I almost was going to be there, but I wound up coming to California instead. But uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go. We're going to have a cup of coffee at under the big chicken on, on US 41. I know that is. That'll work so, for me. All right. <laughs> So how in the world did you wind up in uh, in this crazy part of the universe? So I um, I've always been someone who likes helping people get jobs. And that really started to kick off during the recession of 2009, 2010. I was noticing a lot of people were losing their jobs. In fact, I had lost my job in 2010. And one of the things that helped me is having a business development and sales background. It was very easy for me to reach out and contact people I didn't know. And I was shocked at how that was so difficult for others. And I always felt that the traditional job market was dated and broken because I have a saying, nobody gets an opportunity without interaction with another human being. You can't order a job like you order an Uber or like you order something on Amazon. There's an element of relationship. And so what I noticed is that we need uh, to match job seekers and employers. I felt that it needs to become a little bit more personalized in that people need to start implementing the technology such as video. So having a 30 second elevator pitch, having video proof of the success of the work that you do. And so that's really what was the seed for me starting this business. And I, 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 it wasn't something I started directly right away because I started another type of business where I was focused on multiple careers. And then I said, look, we're going to narrow down to the skill trades. And here's why. Um, I, there are four groups of people I'm very passionate about helping our young people, uh, minorities, women, and our working poor. So that's people who are working retail and um, hospitality. We're not making a living wage. I've done that myself. I know that it's hard work. I've worked two, three jobs at one time. I know what that's like. So my platform, when I was designing with this platform was people do an elevator pitch video. People do a highlight reel of the work they do. That is ideal for the skilled trades. Why? Because you have to be able to prove your skill set. You can write anything on a paper if you're a carpenter or a plumber. That doesn't mean you're a good carpenter. It doesn't mean you're a good plumber. Somebody could write, you know, I don't have any plumbing conventions, but somebody could write the perfect plumbing resume for me. doesn't make me a plumber. If you right. speak to me, you're going to know very quickly that I don't have that skill set. However, if you see a video of somebody explaining, here's, how, here's what I do with plumbing, but your project that I work on, you can have a pretty good idea if that person is capable of doing that. So that's really what drove me to it. I also recognize that we need to have careers where people can make a living wage. If I'm going to give a young person advice, because it's another group that I'm very passionate about helping, let's give them advice on work where there's a job. You know, don't tell them, hey, go go into this field knowing that there are no jobs. That's, you know, that's wrong. That's not right. And don't tell them, hey, you're going to make this amount of money when you're not. One of the things that I admired with the skill trades is there's a transparency of, hey, you know what? If you do this and this training, here's what you're going to earn. There's no, there's, 
It's the truth. There's no, so when, you're t- when you're telling the truth, there's no complications. It's really just that simple. Hey, if you do this, you'll earn this. And I like that in life too, isn't it? Yes, yes. And so that really is what pushed me towards focusing on the skill trades. I also recognize that we have a skills gap. Another big personal problem for me is that whenever I've called for a plumber, of more recently, what I was noticing is it's harder to get plumbers at. Why? because we don't have enough plumbers. So that's starting to affect me personally. Any of you, you all have plumbing. If your plumbing goes out, you don't want that fixed in a week or two. You want that fixed now. And right. so if you don't close that skills gap, you're affected, you're affected. There's, everybody's affected. So it is pretty critical that we do that. And I've talked a lot about, let's start targeting. That's why I'm passionate about the four groups. Let's target our young people. We don't have a lot of minorities in the skill trade. So let's go after the minorities. Let's go after women, you know, groups that are underrepresented. Remember, this is under 10%. And I always feel like by going after groups that are not represented, it doesn't take away from the majority. It helps to close the skills gap, particularly if they're qualified. So that is really what's what's pushing me to, to really uh, be a champion for the skill trades. Um, that's you know, it's about closing that skills gap and giving others opportunities who might not otherwise have opportunities. Cause we all know you don't see a lot of women, you know, just women, you don't see a lot of women plumbers. You don't, it's just a fact. So that's something that we can definitely change. And um, at the same time, close the skills gap and give others opportunities who may not have opportunities. Well, I, I admire what you're doing. Uh, you know, I follow along with, with your on with you on your platforms and, uh, yesterday, you, you posted an interesting uh, or posted an interesting little video for me uh, that basically said, "Here, here's my interpretation of what it said: sure. Shut up and do something about it." Yes, was you hear all these people out there chirping about we can't get enough help, we don't have enough labor, I can't find the right kind of people, and your question posed to the world was. So what are you doing about it? You know, like, let's let's get active with it. And, you know, it all comes down to people. The whole purpose of this thing that we're doing now, this podcast was created um, to, to talk about the people and how our jobs and lives evolve around the people. You know, it's all people centric of what we do. And, and you said it really well. You can write a resume about how well you can build a house. But, if you know, in the. Uh, big bad wolf comes by and blows on it, you're going to find out just how good of a house it really is. Um, So I think that, you know, really getting down to the good core values of people is important because that is a common theme for me in skilled trades is there are a ton of great people in the skilled trades. You may not know that they're great people because they're under a welding hood or you know, wearing a, a fireman's uniform or whatever. But when you tap into the people side of it, it's really uh, intriguing, uh, high quality group of folks as a rule. Um, mm-hmm. So your your message yesterday triggered into me of there are a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. And we've had a lot of them on this show uh, of what different you know, outreach programs, whether it be for profit or nonprofit, high schools, uh, a guy in New Hampshire, Steve Turner doing his thing, 
you know, there's just so many Jamie uh, McMillan up in Canada doing her thing. There's so many people. Uh, and I was with Martin King. I don't know if you know Martin, but he's a friend of mine. He lives up in Portland, Oregon. He's got a, a skilled trades uh, deal, and it's called Skilled Trade Rescue. Uh, and, and Martin has done a tremendous amount of work already. Uh, and one thing that, that you said in your opening uh, there, Keith, was about the transparency of labor and what these jobs actually pay. And about two years ago, Martin and I were talking, and um, we were looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics page that the government uh, publishes, our government that spends our money. I always remind people that the government doesn't have any money. It's actually ours. Um, they publish this Bureau of Labor Statistics publishes what jobs pay in different market sectors for a plumber or electrician or you know whatever, a nurse. Um, we felt like that those numbers were really low by comparison mm -hmm. to what the actual people doing the work, the, what the market was paying. So Martin really dug into it and he's got some really interesting work. Uh, I, I, I'm going to connect you two guys because you both are, are on the same vein here. But there was a big discrepancy of what Martin found in the survey that he conducted with people who are working in the trades versus what the BLS showed on their website that a technician could make, any technician, you know, automotive, uh, whatever. So there, there's some work to be done there of, of how the BLS is actually gathering their data um, because they, and Martin knows the formula because he studied it and figured it out of how they're putting unskilled people into the same bus ba basket as skilled people. So you get this, diluted mix of pay. Um, but there is actually more money to be made than what you read about on the BLS website. Um, yes. Which is my point. So we got to figure out how to properly market the uh, pay rate for plumbers. I'll touch on that too. Yeah, I, was at, um, I was at an HVAC school, Alteris, and they're in Norcross, Georgia. And they were having an open house in which they invited um, local companies that hired their students. And they were doing a presentation and they were saying, you know, this is what students will make. And they were doing it for, um, I think it was the career technical education um, folks who were coming in because I guess they're partnering with them. And the actual companies that were listening to the presentation that they already are partnering with. Those companies hire their graduates. So they already have a relationship with these people who are like, uh, no, we don't pay that. We pay more. Right. And these are people they're already in touch with. So, in a, and I imagine that, look, this is not some, this is something that probably had most recently updated for them. So it goes to show you how the market is changing so quickly that people that they're already partnered with are telling them, hey, you're off. Okay. Yeah, that's a great point because it is dynamic. I mean, yes. it's, it's the ultimate supply and demand uh, economics 101. Mm -hmm. When you don't have enough of something, in this case, skilled labor, the price goes up. Yes. Um, I, I'm, and that makes, when, when I say that, it kind of gives me a little bit of an internal chill because there, there should be a proper value for a price, meaning 
I don't want to just pay $100 an hour or whatever the number is for a plumber. I want to pay $100 an hour for the proper plumber for the proper problem. Yes. Um, yes. So I think, you know, it, it kind of gives me a little bit of internal heebie-jeebies. I don't know how to spell that, but I love the word of, am I getting, are, are we as an industry delivering the right product for the price that the customer's paying? Uh, that's just how my brain works. I want to make sure that we're not just riding the wave of, hey, they want us and here's how much it is. And if you don't like it too bad, so sad. I want to deliver quality. Yeah, I wonder if companies could do this, as you're mentioning this, saying, hey, we have a level four plumber to send to you. They have this amount of experience, but instead of paying your usual fee of, let's say it's $100, you're going to pay $120, but you're going to get a better guy or a gal and you're going to get a higher level. So they give you options because I know that technical support does that. I've seen, I've yeah. seen tiered approaches. They have tiered approaches for technical support. I wonder if they'll do that in the skilled trades because yeah, we discrepancies. We we do it in the HVAC world, Keith, uh, because the ability to work on you know a three ton air conditioner that would cool your your office, uh, you know, in a in a strip mall is a different animal than working on the chiller that cools the building that that Gabby's sitting in because it's different technology. Yes. Um, so typically the higher degree of uh, skill and knowledge required, we're able to charge a premium on some of those uh, pieces of equipment. So yeah, there there is a tiered approach. Who's not going to pay more to have a higher tier technician your restaurant depends on your, I guess, maybe your refrigerator working properly or your heating or whatever. That's your business. Yeah. You're not going to hire the same person that would work in your house because the impact is different to you financially than it is. If your restaurant shuts down for a day or two, that's going to have a pretty big impact on you. All right. So I want to, I'm calling a timeout right here. Sure. That, that, point you just made is so relevant in that contractors have to have enough character and core values to be able to tell the caller, the customer, I'm not the right company for yes, you yes. for that. Yes. Unfortunately, our industry thinks uh, you know, it's, I've done some work similar to that. I think I can handle it. So we don't always deliver the right service product to the end user because our, and this would probably be a fair statement to say for small businesses, are so uh, wanting and needing to say yes to work because they're trying to establish themselves as a company. Sometimes we fall short because we're not equipped to go handle that freezer, but uh, that that is is mission critical for Wolfgang Puck to keep running. Oh yeah. Versus working on Grandma's air conditioner in her house. Yes. So we really have to make sure that our contracting community uh, has the proper. But and, and who, what am I to damn morale or moral police here? But there's got to be some some sanctity in the fact that 
we are representing our companies properly and not just saying yes to everything because yeah. I have seen that go so wrong. And our friend Bob Baker, the plumber in Canada, yes, this dude showcases so much crap that people do wrong that he gets called in to fix. Yes. And to your point, the guy's business card said he was a plumber. I'm no plumber. I know how to run some pipe and do some brazing and what have you. But what Bob Baker has to fix that other people screw up that say they're plumbers, that's what I'm talking about. Like, mm -hmm. let's be definitive about what we really should be doing and grow as a company as our skills grow so that we're not overselling our capability. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, it's short-term thinking to just run and get that quick business because it'll come back to haunt you because we live in a world where everything is so visible. So if you do a terrible job, people have the ability to let everybody know, hey, this person didn't do right by me, but this is what they did. So you're worse off because of the bad press you're getting had you just, just said, hey, here's, you know, I'm not able to do that. You know, and if they still insist on you coming, then at that point, it's at their at their peril. But I would say uh, tackle the jobs you know you can ace because the ability for somebody to spread word of the great work you're doing is far more valuable than getting that one piece of big business that you screw up and don't do a good job on. And it's just a short term fix. Now, that's a great point, Keith. And I think having a network of, of co-contractors, not competitors, but people that can handle that level above you or that level below you. Yes. You're all going to be moving because you company A is learning, company B is learning, company C is learning. And you said it earlier in, in my what I heard you say was a rising tide rises all boats when we're talking yes. about the major minorities and women. Yes. Same way with contracting. The better we get, the better we all get. So keep that Keep your bubble, you know, have three or four contractors in your bubble that maybe one guy's really good on ice machines. Maybe you're not. So know that and say, hey, Bob or Sally, I'm going to give you all my ice machine work because you're really good at it. Yes. And eventually that reciprocation comes back and it works. Yes. But it can't be because you've got a damn truck payment due next week. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the challenge because... Small businesses that I've run them, um, we rely on cash flow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's a similar thing, Keith, that young service technicians in a flat rate world get into. Mm -hmm. um, the truck payments do, the house payments do. Is that motor really faulty? And could I replace that motor and pick up $500? Or could I just replace the belt? You know, like... Yes, it's a moral challenge for young people who are financially stricken to be. It's a test every day when they get yes. in that truck. How am, how am I going to represent me? How am I going to represent my industry? How am I going to represent my company? And you, you have to. And we've all done questionable crap in our careers. Like, did I make that sale? For the right reason or not, you better be on the right side of that equation more side more times than not. Yes, because it's going to come back to get you, like you said. And yeah. with social media, you're you're two fat thumbs from ruining your reputation. 
Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. It, it goes so quickly, so quickly. And I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching here. I'm talking about what I see day to day as a consumer. You know, I've got a, I just got a text from a guy working at my house right now who's doing a phenomenal job because the man communicates, he doesn't overcommit, and he does what he says he's going to do. Yes. It's not perfect, but I will take 98% with good communication and fairness any day over 100% BS. Yeah, we live, like I said, we live so much in a world where the uh, referrals are so important. Yeah. Somebody vouching for you. The, the, the value that that brings is tremendous. It, it makes your future business, it makes it easier for you to get future business and it blesses you when you're not expecting it. That's some, you know, somebody comes and, and um, selects you based on a recommendation that only comes because like you said, you've been on, you've been right more times than you've been wrong and you you're trusted. Trust is the number one thing that stops people from doing business with, with people. Trust. All right. So over the years on this show, Keith, we, we've done this poll, and this goes back before Gabby. We used to time how long it took before that word came up in our, in our, in our uh, conversations. Sure. Trust. Because our business and our relationships are about trust. If I get, let, let's say that I'm in Atlanta and, and I need something. Yes. And I, so I'm going to call Keith and see who he uses to paint his grandma's house. Sure. If you say, you got to call this lady Lucinda because she knocked it out of the park. I call her and say, hey, my man Keith told me that you were the painter and she just got work at her price, probably on her schedule, probably, because you've already done the homework for me. Yes. So I'm trusting your word and vetting her because she took care of you. I, I don't have to go through all that. Yes. And what that does is makes companies more efficient because yes. every good job you do is an attaboy or an girl on your, on your big whiteboard. Mm -hmm. And the more of those you get, the less grassroots selling and validating and all that crap that goes with new business development, all that goes out the window because I just called you and said, Hey, will you come paint my house? Mm -hmm. I mean, voila, you know, that's, that's what we work for are those incoming calls where somebody says, I need this done. I understand you're the right person to get it done. Come do it. Yeah. I mean, bam. It's why we look at, if you go to any restaurant or anything new, you look at reviews. Everybody does that. It's the first thing. I, I don't do that because oh, okay. I've never read a good restaurant <laughs> review. I'm scared to eat anywhere if I read <laughs> You're an exception, but I'll tell you a lot of people do. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm messing with you. What about you, when you're it. buying something? It, it, it's everything. Yeah. It, it's everything. And I, I over the years, I have grown to do reviews. I never used to do reviews for, for people who ask for a review, online review I'm talking about. I've written many letters and all that and taken phone calls and, and done all that part. But to sit down and do a Google review on Houston's restaurant where I had dinner last night, not something that I ever thought about doing. 
But then I thought, hey, moron, you're selling stuff. People may want to know what you're doing. So why would you not reciprocate and do a good review? Not a good review, a thorough review of what you just had happen. You know, what you just witnessed or what you just endured, depending on how good or bad it was. Yes. Um, so I think that's fair. I think that's that's our duty to get back to a, a service industry, what, whatever it be, your dentist or, or and Keith, you have a beautiful smile. So you better compliment your dentist on here right now. Get you some free cleanings. <laughs> Thank you. Ben. Look at that, Gabby. You got a Denzel Washington smile. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept I, I agree. I wish my teeth were that white. <laughs> I had, well, well, I had braces as a kid, so that helped. I got to thank my parents for that. <laughs> they, they did. They did you right on that. But now, I, I think that all of that goes into, and we've talked about it before on here. Is uh, Stephen R. Covey, Stephen Covey's son, wrote a book on trust called "The Speed of Trust" and how quickly uh, that that trust is transferred. So. If if I'm doing business with somebody and we're in this proposal and, you know, vetting each other out and qualifying the proposal, all that stuff, you're only negotiating trust. That's what you're doing. Yes. Like, OK, I need these five points. You need these four points. So let's come together on eight out of the nine and move forward. Mm-hmm. All that, all that is building trust because yes. do you feel like they're genuine? Do you feel like. She's treating me fairly. Am I treating her fairly? All that. But when you launch that trust, then that's when that's when the magic really starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Because just like when you hire somebody, yes, people say it takes a month or whatever. That's BS. You know right away if you made a good hire or not. Yes. You don't yes. always act on it when yes. you should because we keep poor hires around too often, too long. But you know, like that next day, you're like, holy crap, I wish I could have hired the person who I interviewed instead of the person who came back. <laughs> you know, we've all been there. Yes. But that when, when you start that relationship and you're starting that trust exchange, because it has to be two-way or yes. it won't last, um, you know, it's like a honeymoon period. You're dating, you're honeymooning, you're like, is this really going to be what I think it's going to be? And it's almost this little microcosm of, of a relationship blossoming. And then at some point, you you look at each other, you hug or high five or whatever you want to do, and you're off and running. Yes. But I like that first little part, you know, that little, how's it feel, you know? Like Gabby yes. and I have been through that lately because she's new to the podcast and, and our relationship's new. We're getting, we're figuring each other out on the, in real time, you know. Um, she's figuring out what a jerk I can be, and I'm figuring <laughs> out how nice she is. So, you know, but it's fun because you're learning how to deal with each other to yes, make a yes. better product in the end, even though, like, her, her predecessor, Tyler, he and I worked together a lot, so we knew the deal. You yes, know, it yes. was easy. It was two clips and we're done. Gabby and I are learning how to work with each other now. And that's fun um, because it makes you stretch a little bit. It makes you grow. It makes me think, okay, if I were in my mid-20s, you know, where where am I, where am I, 
what am I thinking about? How do I communicate? Instead of being in my late 50s, trying to figure out, here's what I like, because I'm an old dog, you know? So so what have you learned fun. from Gabby? Greg, what's something you've learned from Gabby? What's something that? What's something that I've learned from Gabby is yeah. that uh, the world does not work at my warp speed thinking. Okay. Because I'm usually three steps ahead of what she's doing, only because I'm impatient. And I got a bunch of stuff on my plate that I'm trying to check off. She's methodical and checking it off a little bit slower than I do, but not having to go back and redo it. So yes. that's the balance. Is that fair, Gabby? I, I would say that's fair. Yeah, I I am very methodic, methodical. <laughs> I, you know, I am pretty methodical with what I do. I mean, I wouldn't say I go to slow pace, but I'm definitely... I'm trying to check those boxes as, you know, with quality and a lot of consideration to them. I want to make sure I'm doing them all right. So, well, here, here's the other thing about relationships, like our relationship with, with Gabby. She's the only host I have on podcast. Mm -hmm. I am not her only guest she has on podcast. So my podcast world is Gabby. Sure. Gabby's world consists of my podcast. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot more moving pieces into her world revolving around podcasts than there are mine because mine's really easy. Sure. It's just me. Yes. So, yes. you know, and that's the egotistical, selfish uh, narcissist. You have to beat down and realize that it did this world has got a whole lot of other stuff to worry about rather than your straight out and crumping piece. Get on with it. Sure. So, you know, that's just, but I think that's what makes us unique uh, in that we're, we're sitting here talking about how we want to help people and how we want to do good. We got to get out of our own way before we can even do that. Sure. You know, we got to figure out how to be normal and survive with other humans. So then we can go help other humans. Yes. And some days I can't. Some days I'm like up here and I'm like, God, I got 99 things I really want to do today. Which one is the most important? Sure. And I go back to you, Keith, you know, I need to be at home today and be a husband and shut up. That's what I need to do today. And um, that's that's challenging for folks like me who are, are you know, I'm in hyperdrive a lot. Because I like to do a lot. I like to do a lot quickly. I like to go a lot. I like to go quickly, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, we have a problem to help solve. So sure. putting all that junk in the trunk and dealing with, okay, what comes out of the trunk, that is the perpetuation of skilled trades development. Yes. All this stuff yes. in, the, in, the, in the pressure cooker over here is fine. You know, that's just normal life that we have to deal with. But how do we give a good message? And, and back to my point earlier, how do we tie all of these disparate efforts together? What you're working on, what Martin King's working on, what Service Logic is working on, you name it. There's a lot of different entities working on the problem. My, my, I don't even think it's a concern, but something that I think about is what's the synapse between all these little clouds floating around? What's tying us all together? That skilled traits. Our messaging, we've got to figure out collectively 
of how to best approach 12-year-olds and up on how to develop a career that is solid, whether it be a nurse, a hairstylist, a plumber, whatever, people that work with their hands and their brain, how do we give that message out to the public? Because right now we're mixed. We all we all speak passionately about it because we we've, we've seen it work, but we don't have a synthesized voice of how we're spreading that word. I, I think about that a lot. What's your take on it, Keith? Um, I know I just went on a five minute rant. No, 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 no. I'm just where I'm at. I'm going to be like Gabby on this and be very deliberate with my words and just think before I speak. Um, I think the first thing to do is to understand your audience. Uh, I always try and understand where are they coming from. Um, I have a word I like to use. What's their currency? What's important to them? What do they want to know? And so, and what stories can we put behind it so that resonates with them? And then what is our roadmap? Like, here, all right, when I have guests on my podcast, what I tell them to do is speak from the perspective of when you started, not when you're up here. Nobody's going to understand right. that. When you were just getting started, imagine you're 18. Speak to that eight, that young person who's just finishing high school. Oh, what are they going to make coming out? How long is it going to take? What does work look like? What does a day in the life look like? I think when you start breaking it down like that and then, all right, what are their next steps? So one of the things I have my guests do when they get on the podcast, three resources that people can check out right away and Google it, go find out that information. Three, at the end of the day, you've got to give people a roadmap, young people. Here's how you do it. Because young people can get information anywhere. Everybody's inundated in the room. There's so much information. All right, listen to me. Here's a roadmap. Here's how you do it. Here's how much time it's going to take. Here's what it's going to cost you. Here's what you're going to get paid when you get out. At that point, any young person with, I'd say with reasonable intelligence, will know whether that's for them. You know, go, go, go test it. I always say, taste something, see what it's like. Because when you're young, one of the things you have the option of doing is changing your mind. You don't have yeah. to do whatever. And so I would say, get the, get the right information. Don't go look through a hundred different websites. That's just going to bog you down. Look for the roadmap, the most basic things. How, how much, how much time. You know, a day in the life video, if you can, like, here's what it's like doing it. There's always day in the life videos. I have that even on my YouTube channel, but go look at a day in the life video. Um, also say to young people, don't be afraid to call somebody who's actually doing the work. You know, I, when I interview companies, I ask them, hey, would you let somebody come in for a day or spend a day with you guys? I, 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 it's not putting them on the spot, but it's saying, hey, here's what this podcast is about. Here's who they're trying to serve. Are you willing to do that? Yes or no? It's not that complicated. Boils down to your values. Yeah, I want to help some young people. No, I don't. <laughs> but if you know that that's my values going on my podcast, you got to know that that's coming. I'm going to hit you up with that. And I usually tell people that in advance. So I feel like we've got to give them a roadmap. That's the most important thing. If you're not telling them how to do it, then what are we doing? That, that, that was well said. Um, the day in the life thing has always been something that worked well for me. You know, um, I, I remember uh, a, a guy who's going to be on our podcast. Uh, he's actually my nephew by marriage. This this young man uh, was 
in, in high school, right about to graduate, was going to go to college to be a teacher, which he had no business doing because he didn't even want to do it. He was just doing it because he was kind of out of options mentally. I, I brought him uh, to Charlotte from, from the Atlanta area. He lived out in Conyers. And I said, come do a week with us. And I'll pay you a week. And you ride with the technician to see if this is something that you think is of interest. Three weeks later, he moved to Charlotte and he's still in the industry. Wow. I think that that real life live in the moment yes. is really, yes. really strong. And, and I'm not discrediting Keith at all the video piece. That, that's imperative. You have to have it. But to be able to have somebody there and people hide behind insurance regulations and all this other BS and why they can't. But you can. If you want to help somebody, you can. Yes. And you bring them up and, and say, OK, you're you're I'm going to pay you minimum wage just to make it legal. And you're going to ride in the truck for a day or a week or whatever you come to terms with and or, or stand behind the, you know, the, the patient or whatever it is whatever field we're talking about, there are ways to do it. And everybody I've ever talked to, I think with the exception of one that did the real life, I'm dressing it, I've got my scrubs on or I got my uniform, whatever, that lived that life really grew to enjoy that career because they saw it from the real side of it, you know, from the other side of the lens, so to speak. Um, so I think that's super valuable. Yeah, I think it's a win-win for both sides because when I've talked to companies, I tell them, hey, this is a way for you to find out whether this person's a good fit for you. It's yeah. a win for both sides. It's like, maybe it's like dating, right? Like you don't know somebody until you spend some time with them and you go out with them. It's yeah. the same thing for the job, you know? So you go and you do the work and you find out, oh, I like it or no, I don't. But you're going to know, I would say, after a couple of days of doing it, I'd say two to three days should give you a pretty good indication of whether you like it or not. You know, uh, yeah. if you don't like working outdoors and the job is outdoors, well, obviously that's going to be a problem. So, you, but you just got to go experience it. And I think for young people, it's it's a very low risk to go spend a week on a job for something that you want to do for maybe the next three years, five years, 10 years, what have you. A week is nothing. You know, we as industry, though, we get so stuck on the damn money piece of it. Like, OK, I can't hire a first year apprentice as often as I would like to because I can't afford him to be unbillable. You know, he's unbillable time. He's he's learning. He's training. She just got here. She doesn't know anything. I can't send her anywhere, which is the definition of apprenticeship is why you do that to begin with. But we forget that because our, our CPA spreadsheet bean counter brain kicks in and we're like, oh, my God, you know, we got to pay for this. Because as we said earlier, we get that short sightedness of bills to pay. You know, that's the balance, man. It's that's the balance. That's the rub. It's the financial. Would we, we, we all like to have 12 first year apprentices? Absolutely. It'd be great. Bring them on. We'll keep, you know, six or seven. Whoever works out, works out. But that's not real life. You know, we have to be balanced in, in who we hire for long term. And I think that that uh, day in the life is really valuable for that, of being able to figure out, okay, I can spend a little bit of money, bring them in for a few days. We get a feel for each other. 
And that is your indicator of whether you want to put bigger dollars into it long term, you know. So I'll tell you a quick story. I interviewed um, a guy in California. It's a plumbing company. I believe it was Barker Plumbing. It was a family company. And he bought a building and was setting up a training facility because yeah. he knows that it's hard to find plumbers. And he said, I'm going to just train and develop plumbers so that they can fit into the culture of my company. He understood that the long-term investment. And yeah. down the road, when other companies, when older plumbers are starting to retire and go away, he's going to be in a better position than people who are just saying, well, I'm going to wait to hire the best plumber, the most ideal plumber. Yeah. Sometimes he's yeah. going to hire who's available, develop them, train them up, and, 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 use, and, and look at that as an investment. And that's how companies... It's a risk, right? But you're investing in people. And if, you, and if you've done a good job and you treat people well, it'll generally work out, I believe. Because, you know, if you're not treating people well, it's going to reflect in the success of your company, especially new people, because they haven't invested a lot. So it'll be easier for them to walk away, especially if they're not making a lot of money. You know, not pay them well and treat them terribly. That's not that's not a very smart thing to do. But if they're new and you treat them well and you develop them well, it, it'll probably be a good investment. They'll probably stick around and they'll probably grow and, and do a really good job for you. But it's up to you as a leader to to make that conscious decision of how you treat and take care of those people that you're bringing on. Now that's well said. I I in fact see a lot of that going on in our industry. Uh, in the electrical industry, fire protection, people are developing their own programs in their own their own buildings, their own schools, mm-hmm. um, or they're partnering with colleges, building uh, their own private curriculum. Our service logics efforts called the Edge. We're doing a lot around training. I, I mentioned a class going on or a session going on this week in in Atlanta, Max Air. Uh, project management development is nothing but people development. That's all we're we're concentrating on. We all know how to, you know, turn a pair of uh, vice grips. I mean, we we've got that. the The hard part uh, is not the pipe, is not the duct, it's the people. And you know, that's what uh, the 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 more we concentrate on the people part of it, the better off we're all going to be as a nation. Yes. Because we're building people, people are going to gravitate toward the skills that they excel at. Mm-hmm. But you got to you got to have that core communication. You got to understand big picture. How does how does what I do with this one hanger I'm putting up for this pipe? How does that affect the whole job? Is that done safely? I mean, all these things. I got to run out to the parts house. Am I driving properly? Am I taking care of the company? Therefore, taking care of my future all these pieces come together. So um, super, super duper stuff. Well, look, I know we're, we're getting a little bit tight on time. Um, I just want to pitch one thing to you. Tell us about uh, what you're doing. Uh, we're in a new year. 2023 is here. Uh, 31 days deep at this point. I can't believe that already. Seems like we just had Christmas. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> what, what's on your horizons, and and what are you doing uh, this year that's special? And uh, are you shaking it up from last year, or just enhancing? What's what's going on with you? Um, I continue to focus on building up job seekers on the platform in order to really bring value to the employers 
you've got to get more people on the platform. And so it's just ensuring that uh, I'm working with the right technical people to make sure the platform is working at, at its best because um, that's not my strength, the technology piece. So I always want to make sure I'm working with competent people. I use, um, I use contractors because you've got to test people, test them with small things. And I've had some challenges. That's probably been my biggest challenge. So just ensuring that I have the right people in the right place and then continuing to educate skilled trade workers on the value of getting on that platform, creating a profile. Uh, I, I tell people when you, everybody has the capability of saying who they are and what they do in a 30-second elevator pitch. You have to be able to do that. You cannot get any kind of employment if you can't do a 30-second elevator pitch. That is just a baseline. That is your name, what you do, and why people should hire you. Because that is, I guarantee that's going to be asked if you do your next interview. All right, look, hold, hold on now. You're yeah. telling your age. You're telling your age. So tell people what a 30-second elevator pitch is. Sure. A lot of people don't know. They're, they're a lot younger. Hint, sure. That one below you right there on the screen. Sure. So the third, uh, for Gabby and people <laughs> younger, a 30-second elevator pitch is who you are, what you do, what makes you good at what you do, and why people should hire you. It's a 30-second elevator pitch because when you're in an elevator, you're probably in an elevator for about 30 seconds, a short period of time. And you don't have a lot of time to talk to somebody. So it helps you to focus on sharing the most relevant information in a short period of time. So everybody should do that. I mean, if you're out in public and you meet somebody, you should be able to say who you are and what you do and why you're good at what you do, because you never know who you're meeting. Uh, the next thing with the platform is start to, and this is more social media, show a video of the work that you're doing. I always say, uh, we have a show me economy. You've got to be able to prove that you can do the work you can before people even want to bring you in for an interview. Because what's the purpose of bringing somebody in for an interview for a plumbing position if they don't know anything about plumbing? So if you have a video that proves that you, and if you really know something about plumbing, it shouldn't be hard for you to do a video. Right. 60 seconds just proving it. Because you, you want to do it. You want to do it. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm trying to get people to really embrace that. And what I've learned from a lot of young people is they don't want long applications. They want, you know, this is a way to be creative. This is a way to showcase your skills. I call it your passport. Your passports take you to different places. Well, a video proving that you're really good at what you do can open up a door of opportunity a lot quicker than something that's written on a piece of paper. Because any one of us humans can look at a video and say, wow, this person knows what they're doing piece of paper, I I still have to bring in. If you send, if I'm looking at a resume, that's not proof that you can do what you say. You know, it could be anything. But if I'm looking at a video, I'm at least, okay, they, they know enough that I can bring them in and they can speak. Communication, because it also proves you can communicate because despite what a lot of people think, you have to have good communications to work in skilled trades. I've interviewed a lot of skilled trade owners and they're like, you got to be able to go in the house and speak to people. If you can't right. speak, you can't, you can't do your job. If you can't have some basic communications, you don't have to be a, a, um, a, a great speech writer or a great public speaker, but you've got to be able to put a sentence together. You've got to go into a person's house and be able to communicate. Okay, here's a problem. Here's what I'm going to do. 
basics. And that, and that again, is to take away from stereotypes that people have of skill trading records that they can't speak. Now, they're probably really good speakers because they've got to deal with all kinds of different personalities going from different homes to different homes. So your communication skills obviously have to be good. You've got to, you're dealing with people who are upset if they're having a plumbing or electrical issue. They're not in a good mood if you show up at their house. Nobody's like, hey, my plumbing is broken. I'm in such a great mood. No, they're probably upset. So you've got to have those great communication skills. And like I said, the platform helps you to at least practice that, showing casing what you do. That'll help you if you're going to go on a interview. That, I assure you, is something that's going to be important for anybody who's going to interview for a job. So that's really the focus is for them to use to sign up on the platform. Now that's that's a, a, a nice trajectory for you. Um, you know, the passport. I almost look at it as everybody needs their personal QR code, sure. so somebody can scan your QR code and find out about you and see that little twenty-second video clip of some of your work. It's what which we do. Is really like, easy to make. So yeah, I'll um, tell you. Even when I'm looking at somebody to do. Any kind of work, like I had somebody work on my deck. Show me what you did. I didn't care about what you wrote on the resume. One guy told me, oh, I have this carpenter card and I'm a licensed guy. I said, can you show me the work that you've done, some pictures or video? Because what does the card mean to me? It just means you're, it means you got certified. I'm like, that's great. Now, can you show me? I said, congratulations. I'm happy that you have that. Now, can you show me? And he's pulled out his phone and he showed me videos. And I don't think I'm any different from anybody else. I'm sure other customers no. probably asked him that. Nobody just says, oh, you're a great, because I, I found him on Facebook. And yes, he did have some pictures on Facebook that got my attention. But at the end of the day, what's he doing? He's showing his work, right? right? At the end of the day, people called him, not because of his little card that said he's a certified carpenter. They called him because they said, wow, that looks like a good job. All right, right. show me more, show me a video. Yeah, here's how I did it. Tell me how you do it here. Yeah, yeah. And then I hired him. There, are, there was another guy who came, didn't have anything to show me. That's a red flag. Everybody's got a phone. Yeah. Tell me, you don't have a phone? Well, that's the guy that was supposed to paint your wall blue, right? Yeah, yeah I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, this is just really in drapes material. I just stuck it on, so it's not really good. Well, it looks, it looks good. Thank well. You. Keith, I, I just want to just say thank you for taking time with us today. I feel like we could talk for three more hours about this stuff because I, you're you're passionate about it. I love the passion. Um, I, I love following what you're doing because I feel like you uh, and and you know not to discredit other people because there are a lot of people trying hard to to push this initiative, uh, but you're definitely up there pushing at the top, man. So proud for you. Thank you, uh, proud, proud for the platform. Uh, I, I hope we can figure out how to support you all we can, um, because it takes, you know, the old saying, it takes a village, you know, yes. this, this is not a, 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 a silver bullet problem. We got to have multiple silver bullets to solve this one. So yes, we do. the, the yes, more we do. Uh, diversification, the more different thoughts of how we do this, you know, because there's not one answer. No. Simply not. Well, Gabby, uh, anything to add for you? I mean, you've been sitting there soaking it all in this morning. Um, I have. I I mean, it's been great. I think, you know, there's not a whole lot in terms of HVAC and my just overall knowledge of, you know, really everything that goes into a skilled trade. But I do know that, you know, what you said, Keith, about kind of 
one, having that snapshot and two, your point on kind of showing people what they're kind of walking into and what, where their interests lie and things like that. I mean, that was, for me, this is my first job out of college. And before I took this job, I interned with market scale. And so that was huge for me in, you know, deciding, oh, you know, like, is this the section where I want to be? I mean, I graduated communication. And so there's a lot of different things I can do with communication. So picking a field and saying, oh, do I want to do marketing? Do I want to do advertising? You know, where do I want to land now that I've graduated and I'm entering the world? And so that internship was really important for me because I was able to say, you know what, like, I actually love this sector. I love working with other people. I love meeting new people. So it really landed super well with me and gave me the opportunity to kind of feel out my own interests and say, you know what, I actually would love to work here. This is exactly what I'm looking for right now. This is great. Whereas I think for me applying to jobs, if I hadn't interned first, I think there would have been more question as to whether or not this was where I wanted to be. And so it would have been more of a, a gamble taking a job, I think, after college and being like, well, you know, like, am I actually going to like what I'm doing? Am I actually going to, you know, want to come into work every day and talk to everyone and do my job? And so I do, I definitely agree with those points. And obviously, um, you know, the marketing sector and things are, different from skilled trades but at the end of the day it does fall under the same realm when you know you're trying you're young and you're trying to figure out where you want to end up in your life and those kinds of snapshots and getting to intern or apprentice um before you really have to say this is where i'm going is a really big it's a really big deal and it's a really great opportunity overall i was going to say did you find a challenge in deciding on this position, because this is not like a common position that I would just naturally hear about. I think it's a really cool position. I didn't even know these jobs existed. <laughs> so I'm curious how you figured that out, because this is a new, this didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah. So I'm sure you're aware. So how did you find that out? How did you figure it out? And who did you, be able, who were you able to see to, to be able to say, okay, here's what it's like to do it. I'm just curious. Yeah, well, actually it was, kind of more, this position was a little more, um, this position I started after I had already started working for market scale. So I had initially been in client services and working with our client side. And I really, I loved doing that. I loved working with our clients directly, meeting new people, having those kind of new conversations, learning about their industries and what they were doing with their companies. And that was something that I really enjoyed. So then when they were like, hey, actually, we need someone to kind of work with our contributors and work on our publication side, it honestly, this job is, it's very similar to kind of the experiences that I had while I was on the client services side. And so for me, it was a no brainer to be like, absolutely. I would love to do that because it, as Greg was saying earlier, I really love kind of developing that those relationships and learning how to work 
with different people and learning about different people and their interests and their passions. And, you know, I, like I said, I got to do that in client services. And now that I'm back on the publication side where I interned, um, I get to do that still. And so it definitely um, was not, was not a position that I was like, oh, this, this is what I'm, I'm graduating and this is what I want to do. Cause quite frankly, I didn't even know it was a position until it was offered to me. And, um, it was just something that I was like, you know what, I've seen, I've seen how it works with client services and, you know, the job is incredibly similar. You're still, I'm still working with people, learning my relationships, learning about these people and their fields. And so, um, that was definitely that was definitely a big part of it. I very much like learning about people and who they are and their own passions and things like that. Nice. And Keith, she's not telling you the part where I said you really should be on my podcast <laughs> with me. <laughs> that because is she was true. not she was not going to be like on air producer type lady. She was going to be behind the scenes type lady. I said no. I think you got what it takes to jump up here and do yes, this for this because it's fun. And um, so after I paid her a bunch of money and bribed her and uh, <laughs> reported her overdue library books and all that stuff, she finally agreed to it. So. Nice. But she's doing a great job. Yes, she is. I agree. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, that that has been another fun part, too. Definitely. I, I definitely needed the encouragement from Greg because I was definitely a little bit nervous coming into the podcast sector. But um, it's been that's been fun, too. And again, it gives me more opportunity to meet new people like yourself, Keith, and kind of figure out where your passions lie. So Thank it you. all kind yeah, of it looks like a fun job. for you. That's why I was kind of pointing out. Be <laughs> it fun. is. But it's fun. Gabby, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell him anything else. He sounds like he's interviewing for it. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I would not want to take away your job. <laughs> I, I am All a right, supporter well, of what you're doing. <laughs> thank you. Well, well Keith, I, you know, really, uh, just to put a button on it, thank you for taking time with us today. I know we've gone a little bit long. You probably got a lot to do, but thank you for the time. I love the the passion that you bring to what you're doing. I love the methodical nature that you think through of how you're trying to help young folks or, or you know, I would assume people that are mid-career changing gears are the same as young people. Uh, we got military vets coming out that need work. I mean, there's just a lot of people that, and, and not to, to sound weird about it, but they need guidance on what to do next because some people just get stuck or, if they're not stuck, they're just unsure. Like, what what are some next steps to look at? And I think that the uh, the more that we can expose trades and and you know freaking uh, podcast producers. I mean, this is what life is. You know, I mean, we all do it. And the more people get to see what goes on, you know, behind the scenes of everything, the better because. I'm I'm always amazed when I learn about a job that I never thought about having to have existed before, you know, like somebody had to do that. And I never really thought about who did it until it didn't get done. And yes. then, you know, you think about, wow, somebody has to make sure that the butter gets put on the table at the restaurant every day, you know, little things like that. It just happens. And there, there's all these little nuances of life that, people fill the role of and that's where we just 
it's like a big sieve and we're just having to make uh, opportunities uh, or, or make people aware of opportunities so they can find what fits them best. So, yes. So Keith, where could people learn more about you and what you're doing? Do you have a website you'd like to tell us about and guide us toward your stuff? Yes. My website is www.skillstadium, S-K-I-L-L-S-T-A-D-I-U-M, skillstadium.com. And they can Beautiful. click on social media. If you Google Skill Stadium, and I also have a podcast, you'll be able to find out all that information. Uh, feel free to follow and subscribe. Thank you, Gabby. Take us to the house for this thing. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> of course. Well, Greg, Keith, thank you. It was great speaking with you both, Greg, as always, and Keith. It's always great to meet someone new and learn a little bit about them. So I really appreciate that. And everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. You can listen to other episodes like this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check out gregcrumpton.com for all your Greg Crumpton content.